Well, greetings and welcome to The Dividing Line. It's a Thursday, I think, June 1st. Everybody knows it's June 1st. I don't remember when this all started happening, but it's, it's yeah, it's definitely June 1st. And I uh, want to uh, do a quick reminder right here at the start uh, that we have... I'm not trying to not trying to slip my my wrist there. A beautiful knife up for auction on our Facebook site from Derek Melton. Uh, that's called Damascus Steel. If you're not familiar with what Damascus Steel is, it's the 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 um, handle is not super heavy. It's it's not some super. It, it's actually fairly lightweight. Uh, but I think the blade is four inches. You do not want to test the sharpness. Derek's one of those guys that I have um, I have this carry. Because um, remember, um, what's the guy on NCIS, Gibbs? Is it nine or seven? Nine. Okay, rule number nine. Um, never leave home without a knife. Never go anywhere without a knife. And um, so there is a company here locally... Uh, that makes these OTF knives, Ravencrest. And they're just super easy to carry. I mean, this is heavier than, than that one. It, it literally is. It, it, it's that heavy. And he, I let him look at it, and he popped it out, and he checked the blade. And this, this look of utter disgust <laughs> came over his face like, that's a butter knife. That this is for opening envelopes. This is ridiculous. And so he better be careful cuz uh he took that in and sharpened it himself. Yeah. So so all of my knives like this are now nice so, and sharp for now anyways. So I reached out to him and I asked him um I'm surprised he heard from me. He's from, from he's a out the middle of nowhere. He's, he's in Missouri fishing. Right. And he's responding to me, and he's describing it. And what amazed me is that when he told me about the handle, yeah, if you know what a burl is, a lot of people don't know what a burl is. It is the root ball of a tree. Oh, it, there is a portion of the the root that's just solid round uh, wood, and it, it's amazingly beautiful, and it's also amazingly dense. And so he he fashion that out of the burl of what he thinks is a maple tree. Yeah, and there's uh there's blue um something in it. I forget what it's called. Um Yeah, I can't think of the name either. Epoxy. Yeah. Something like that. Cuz I saw it. He he showed me it was just a block. It was it was a it was a square block. And um how he gets that into a handle and does all that stuff, I I don't know. But um, that's way... You got a problem over there? We're fine. Okay. Just the look on your face was, that's not the way it's supposed to be, or something. So I was concerned. Um, and, by the way, uh, so, Facebook, uh, Alvin Omega Ministries Facebook page, the current bid is 500 I believe. Um, 550 okay. Uh, so... Uh, there's your shot to get an awesome blade from Derek Melton uh, and also help to get me across the United States. I just um, laid out uh, the September trip. So I leave in three weeks, um, end of June, June 23rd, for 33 days. Long, long, long trip. Um, up through Colorado all the way up to Eli, Minnesota, uh, and back again. That'll be the farthest north I've certainly gone. Uh, with, uh, well, yeah, I think that's, eh, Moscow, similar, I, I would imagine, as far as north, north, north goes. But we'll be going through Nebraska and uh, making a stop. You know, I should have brought this up. Uh, I'll make, I'll talk about it in another program, but uh, we'll be making the stop at the the little city that I've used as my example where I was I was laying that out because the folks up in Minnesota told me don't wait on getting reservations for the summer up here because it gets really busy and you might not be able to get in. So I put the May trip together 
a while back because you got to get reservations at the at the various parks and uh, RV parks and uh, it just the route just took me there was a KOA I normally go to KOA don't always there's I, I go to some good Sam ones too and there's not a KOA right on the route but it's it's just they're all the same and so I like sameness <laughs> when you when you get in you're tired you you, you don't want to be dealing with new stuff you just want to do it the way you've always done it. Anyway, I had scheduled a stop. I'm, I'm going to be doing some long days, really long days. My left arm, I, I'm trying to make sure it doesn't hear what I'm talking about because those long days are going to be really ugly and it's going to be hurting a lot. But anyway, uh, I was going to stop at this KOA in a small city. I forget where it's at. I'll, Like I said, if I had pulled it up, I could tell you. And uh, I already had that on the list. It's like, okay, that's a good spot. And I'm already working through it. And uh, I go, I need to check our uh, road trip at AOMin.org map. And lo and behold, I pull up the map. And the same little city out in the middle of the Great Plains of America, uh, there, there isn't a mountain anywhere to be found out there and uh there's there's a church that has written in and said if you're coming through we'll be uh glad to to have you stop and uh you know by the way it it doesn't have to be a big in fact it normally isn't a big formal meeting or something like that sometimes i just get together with the elders of a church um you know maybe just some leaders of the church or something like that have dinner at a local restaurant um, you know, some encouraging fellowship, something along those lines, uh, all the way up to a whole meeting. And um, right as I was, I mean, literally as I was planning um, the trip to G3, um, I remembered a text message I got from a pastor in Amarillo. And so I altered that so that, because I've stopped in Amarillo many, many times. And uh, so we're going to be doing something in, in Amarillo on the way out. Um, so if you want to be on that list, it doesn't mean I'll ever, you'll, doesn't mean you'll ever hear from me, <laughs> but, uh, you can't, if you haven't sent in something to road trip, one word road trip at aomin.org to say, Hey, we'd be, we'd be willing. And, uh, so I have access to that map and then I can put that together with, I, yeah, you, you say, why don't you have other people schedule this stuff? Cause I'm the one driving basically, um, I'm the one that has to, I got to know what I'm going to be able to do and where I'm going. And if it's all messed up, the only person I got to blame is me. <laughs> I got to one place on the last trip and I did not have a reservation. I don't know. It's a lot of reservations to be making. You know, uh, when you fly, you don't have many reservations to make. Uh, but when you do this, you got lots of reservations you're trying to keep track of. And thankfully, we I, they... They got me in. It was a KOA. They got me in. I was I was good. Um, but it's good that if something's all messed up, it's because I messed it up. Um, but uh, yeah, yes, sir. You raised the microphone for. Oh, some I was reason. just going to say because um, because see, Rich isn't going to be here next week, so I have a feeling that Rich needs to get some comments in today um, <laughs> because he knows that next week <laughs> no comments. Yeah, well, we're we're gonna make sure that you're you're ready to go. You know, when you put yourself over on that side, on the screen, you're just staring at the edge of the screen. Yeah. And if you're over on this side, it looks like you're more looking across the way. But right, right, right now, when you're on that side of the screen, it it's sort of silly. But anyways, go ahead. Well, I just you know Jan has put so much work into that map, and then when you look at that map now, it's impressive. It's amazing. Yeah. There are so many dots. I don't know how many dots we have right now, mm -hmm. but there has to be, what, a few hundred, you think? Yeah. 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 Yep. No. And if you're, if you're, and when I travel, people don't hear me saying that. They're like, boy, we wish we had known. It's like, well, we, <laughs> we keep telling everybody about it. So get, get that, um, get your church in there and that way we can, uh, we can get in touch with you. So, um, like I said, I have about, uh, three weeks now. Yeah, three weeks from tomorrow. Uh, wait, 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 no, no. Yeah, three weeks from tomorrow. 
whew, is uh, when I pull out again, and um, uh, that's a that's a big long one. But the one in September, uh, there's going to be a conference in the Lancaster, Pennsylvania area, um, and people ask me. To, to mention things like this. I can't tell you how many people I've had come up to me at a, at a conference going, if you hadn't mentioned it just in passing on the dividing line, I, I never would have known. There is a conference um, in the Lancaster, Carlisle, Pennsylvania area. And I'll be speaking at that. And um, the venerable, well, that's an interesting term, the venerable uh, Christopher Arnzen, how's that? Um, you know, if you're going to say venerable, you shouldn't say Chris. You need to say the full name. The vener- what? Christopher. Yes, the, ven- the venerable. If I knew his middle name, I would I would throw that in there just for the fun of it. Yes, sir, sir Christopher Arnzen. Um, I'm not sure who knighted him, but he, he. I think we did that in Tuscarora um, one night when we didn't know what we were doing. But anyway. Um, the Venerable Christopher Arnzen is working on arranging a debate as a part of that uh, conference. I hope that uh, I hope that works out as well. And uh, he normally he's uh, Chris could sell sand to Arabs and uh, ice to Eskimos. So uh, let's and and they would enjoy it. Yes, they would want more. They would be asking for more, please, sir. Um, so. so. Anyway, uh, <laughs> of course, the venerable Sir Christopher Arnzen is the host of the Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. Uh, look it up online and, uh, and, uh, and listen in. I was on just recently. Um, so that's going to be the weekend before G3. And then I shoot down from Pennsylvania to Atlanta. And then we have my self-immolation on the altar of the GBTS uh, seminary on Thursday where we do a discussion of church and state. And like I said, I'm the only postie around there. So I, I have a feeling I know what's coming, but I'm, I'm going to be ready. And uh, then speaking of G3, meeting with the folks that are going to be there, uh, big, large group going to be there. Back at the old location... Um, it's so much easier to get to if you fly in. Um, I'm not sure how I'm, I think I'm going to have to, I'm not sure how that's going to work out for me. Uh, right now my plan is to, is to do what I've done before and park at Praise Mill Baptist Church, but it's a huge drive in. And, um, hopefully my wife's going to be able to join me this year. And, uh, so we'll probably stay at one of the hotels there a couple nights. I haven't stayed in a hotel Except when I picked up the truck. I was, <laughs> that's the only time I've stayed in a hotel for a long time. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, that's fine with me. <laughs> very, very fine with me. Um, but then on the way back, uh, we're going to be stopping uh, in uh, Louisiana. We're going to take the southern route home. And there's Dear Brother down there, uh, Fine Church near uh, Shreveport. Um, no, not Shreveport. I, again, should have pulled this stuff up so, so that I could see the map. Anyways, we're going to be in Louisiana. We'll put all this stuff on the, web, on the, on the website. And we're going to do um, some stuff on reliability of Scripture on the way back uh, right after G3. I can't uh, be too slow because I've got to get back before October 7th uh, because we have a little old um, celebration here in uh, Phoenix for the 40th anniversary of Alpha Omega Ministries, and uh, if I if I were to miss that, that would probably be somewhat um, inappropriate. So I I think I get back like three days before that at the most, two or three days. I'll have just parked the unit probably by the time uh, we have the uh, maybe I can just bring it down here, park it down here, and and uh, pull in a straight walk straight in. That would be sort of fitting to do it that way. Uh, so that's gonna be a big 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 trip in uh, September. And then in December, heading again to uh, St. Charles, Missouri. And um, not a whole lot of things to do coming to and from there because it's it's after Thanksgiving and it's before Christmas. And there's just people struggle to find 
places to fit things in there, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. So uh, all that made available by you all um, providing us with uh, with the RV and the super cool. I've had a bunch of people saying, hey, we want you on the webcast. I'm like, you know what? The easiest way for me to do that is from our new studio because it really is. In fact, here's the here's the. Um, Okay, there, there's there's the um, it's not plugged in, it's not powered on right now, but that's called an ATEM Mini Pro, and uh, that's uh, that's the one from the studio in um, in the RV. So it's going to go back in the studio in the RV, obviously. And uh, <clears throat> you don't leave electronic equipment purposefully <laughs> in uh, in an unair conditioned RV stored in the summer in Phoenix in June. <laughs> okay. Though right now I mean not even it, I did we live through 2020? I'm telling you the next ice age is coming. It really is. I'm wondering about it too because uh record cold in Australia right now cuz it's their winter down there. Record cold in Australia. And I think the high is supposed to be 91 today. And the, I think the average for today is 102. And we've certainly had 110 above on the 1st of June. Um, I had the front door open last night. That, in June? No. That's what's, what's going on here. Ice Age, clearly. Um, but <clears throat> you still need to live in a hut and eat bugs um, to save Mother Earth. Biggest fraud ever perpetrated on mankind. It is astonishing how many people will not even sit back and go, oh, it was, uh... In fact, I read a story. I want to track it back down. I read a story about a retreating glacier. Ah, see? It's heating up. A retreating glacier that revealed a Roman road. A road, a road from the Roman period. Now, first of all, it tells you Romans knew how to make roads. Why don't we... <laughs> The tech has existed for a long time, but we can't seem to make roads. I get every time I fall into a crater on an interstate, I just remind myself this would not have happened if the Romans were in charge. (laughs) They knew how to make roads that would last forever. But the point is, if a retreating glacier exposes a road from the early medieval, late classical, late antiquity period, you know, right when Rome's falling. Um, doesn't that tell you something? Yeah, it, it means it was much warmer in the past than it is today. And I've, I've said this over and over again. You, you go to the north of England, you go up into Scotland and Ireland and Northern Ireland and places like that. All sorts of Ancient place names with references to vineyards. You can't grow vineyards up there. It's too cold. But you could back then. And there was nobody driving an SUV. Nobody driving an SUV. And every time I ask that, I go, okay, could someone explain from the other side how it was warmer in the past than it is now, given that your whole theory is that a gas that accounts for less than one-tenth of one percent or four-tenths of one percent of of the of the atmosphere is the big thing it's carbon dioxide that's that's all we have to be net zero and net zero means the end of civilization net zero means absolute poverty for everybody except the elite and you're being told that there's entire cults. There, there are people gluing themselves to paintings and stuff like that because they they are absolutely brainwashed into thinking that they are saving the world and they're doing nothing of the kind. It's complete balderdash is all it is. How did that happen? How is it when I ask people, well, you just don't understand climate. Okay, explain it to me. 
if if we can demonstrate entire months that were much warmer only 30 years ago and the vast majority of CO2 that has been expelled into the atmosphere by mankind has been since then. How does that work? Uh, well, uh, you racist. <laughs> that's, that's all they got. They have, they have no way of explaining. Because if it is just simply a matter, the more CO2 you get, the hotter it gets. That's just not true. We know that's not true. But unfortunately, the vast majority of people just aren't educated, and therefore they think it's true, and therefore they're willing to give up their livelihoods, their children, their grandchildren, um, their property, eating food, having hamburgers. Um, it's it's astonishing what's happening in Europe. The farmers are having to revolt uh, because the government's coming in. Well, for net zero, we got to kill all your cows because they toot too much. Um. And it's just what we are what we are doing to our children on the basis of a lie is unbelievable. But there's a lot of lies going on. Uh, it's June first. How do you how, how else would we go? Would we know? Anyway, um, this is really interesting. Let me read. Let me. Uh, this is this is the way to do this. Let me just read you a couple paragraphs, and I want you to. To listen. Um, Here's a paragraph. Second, many apply an interpretive double standard to homosexuality. Simply, the Bible has a lot to say about sex and gender, and Christians, all Christians, conveniently skip by the scary stuff. We don't require rape victims to marry their rapists. We don't tell women to lay off the jewelry. And we choose not to remember that the Bible provides specific instructions for the sexual use and marriage of slave girls. We even ignore the New Testament's teachings, and they are diverse, on divorce, allegedly contradictions. Yet somehow we think the Bible directly condemns LGBT persons. It's pretty clear we straight people apply the Bible to the sex lives LGBT folk in ways we'd never apply it to our own. Third, the appeal to Scripture to condemn sexual minorities requires that we ignore the vast cultural gap between the ancient world and our own. Again, hypocrisy comes into the picture. When we read the biblical prophets, we ask ourselves about their historical context. Who were the Assyrians? Was the prophet addressing Israel or Judah? And what can we know about the politics of that time? When we read Paul's letters, Christians automatically wonder about the circumstances Paul is addressing. What can we know about the local culture, the ongoing conversations that motivate Paul to write, and popular religious and philosophical movements in the ancient world. These are routines for questions for Christians, but when it comes to sex, we ignore the astonishing gap between the ancient world and our own. Not one biblical marriage resembles marriage in our society. No biblical couple meets, falls in love, and mutually chooses a lifetime of companionship. Some would see Ruth as an exception, but Ruth marries for survival. So patriarchal was the culture that the Bible defines adultery only in terms of one man's offense against another, with everything depending on the woman's status as married or betrothed. Many people are surprised to learn this. This is not to deny that ancient couples grew to love one another deeply, it is simply to point out how far our culture is removed from that of the Bible. So, uh, okay, likewise, our concepts of homosexuality, sexual orientation, and gender identity have no counterparts in the ancient world. Free adult men frequently had sex with their wives, with prostitutes, with male and female slaves, and with other people they could find. In the ancient world, same-sex sex was almost always exploitive in nature. No one was talking about homosexual identity or seeking egalitarian same-sex marriage in the ancient world. When it comes to homosexuality, the Bible simply isn't talking about what we're talking about. Those who misuse the Bible to con- con- condemn gays choose to ignore this reality. So, there's a very very standardized modern progressivist perspective. Uh, Fundamentally, uh, especially that last paragraph, but the um, discussion of the Holiness Code, um, rape victims marrying their their rapists, um, slave girls, all the stuff in the Holiness Code things, uh, looking at context, things have changed, marriage has changed, 
And then there was no idea of homosexuality as an identity, as if that somehow is meant to mean something. Um, in other words, well, as long as someone thinks that they are, by definition, a homosexual, then that makes what they do correct uh, or proper, because that's the only way they can have happiness, you see. And nobody understood that before in the past. We we are the smart ones. They were the stupid ones. And we've figured all these things out. So this is what you're going to hear. And when I listen to well-meaning Christians, and there are a lot of you out there, well-meaning Christians interacting on social media, especially in this month, in reference to... Well, the really disappointing situation at Twitter where they want to show Matt Walsh's um, What is a Woman on Twitter. And here we thought, yeah. And Twitter says, no. Because twice in the, in the video, someone is misgendered. The most childish. I have... I cannot have any respect for anyone who even uses that term. It is so transparently foolish. It is so transparently childish. What you're saying is you have to buy into the delusion that anyone has. And so we all get to run around the world and say, you will refer to me as Zzer, And the next person, you will use we woe. And the next person says, blue blah. And the next person says, dee da. And you're supposed to remember all these things. And you're supposed to alter your language to honor this person's chosen pronouns. It's the most narcissistic, childish, are you really past two years of age yet stuff I've ever seen in my life. I will not do it. And no society that's going to survive will. It's absurd. And so, quote-unquote, misgendering is simply using the English language as we've always used the English language, based upon the reality of the existence of truth. That there's such a thing as a male, there's such a thing as a female, and we don't get to we don't get to blur those boundaries and change them and tell people how we're supposed to be addressed. So what we're being told, what, what Twitter is saying, literally, is you must engage in the delusion or we will silence you. This small minority demands that this happen and we will force you to enter into their delusional state. There's where we are. And we thought Elon Musk had um, made changes to Twitter. Well, he did. But the reality is the only way to make consistent changes that will protect liberty is from a foundation that Elon doesn't have. He doesn't have a Christian worldview. It's not there. And so... Will something be done about that? I don't know. We can hope. Because if, if you... We are literally looking at a situation where there is no platform. There's no platform. I mean, my even talking about this could mean that how we are streaming right now could be done in five minutes. It's happened to us before. I was talking about this very topic, and all of a sudden, we were gone. Boop. Disconnected. Uh, account suspended for a month or whatever it was, and that's how it goes. And we're talking about delusion here. We're, we're, we're talking literally about we all have to pretend to have the same delusions as these individuals. It's It's stunning. Uh-oh. Was I being prophetic? No, we're all fine here. Um, the 
feed here is saying that Elon has denounced it, called it a, a mistake, and I'm getting the impression that it's being corrected. I hope so. That would be nice. Hope that would so. be a new development. Yeah. Um, but he put a person in charge as CEO who's immersed in this. He's never going to become free of having to be hands-on pushing buttons until he recognizes the worldview issue here. I hope so, because I enjoyed Matt Walsh's thing. I enjoyed the video. It was... I, I, I love... If you can get the other side on camera, there, it is impossible to defend the foolishness of the worldview that is being promoted by the Biden regime, by everybody. Oh, my goodness. Did you see the National Weather Service? The National Weather Service is putting rainbow stuff up today. The Arizona Department of Public Safety. Oh, I am so glad that DPS is posting rainbow stuff today rather than getting the bad guys. Way to go, Arizona Department of Public Safety. I mean, (coughs) it's everywhere. That's the world that we live in, that we're facing. And so... Back to what I was reading, sorry. I watch Christians trying to interact with this stuff. I realize the vast majority of believing evangelical Christians do not want to read pro-homosexual literature. I don't either. But I have. And I still do. Not as much as I used to. I've lost track. I truly, uh, when when Jeff Neal and I wrote, um, did I tell you that Jeff and I got together while on the last trip? It was, I'm not sure if I sent a picture or anything like that, but it was great to, great to see him. He's really doing well, um, and um, it was just so neat to have a, a just a short time with he and his wife. He had preached in uh, right near Georgetown the same morning I did, and so we got together afterwards. It was it was really neat. Uh when when Jeff and I wrote the same sex controversy right at the opening of this century, uh, and that sounds old. Then it then it right at the, right at the beginning of the century. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we had to read a lot of stuff that I didn't enjoy reading, and. I remember thinking, even at the time, I, I remember I was at a, I don't remember if it was something for Josh or Summer. It was, I was in a gym, and it was either one of Summer's volleyball games or one of Josh's basketball games or something along those lines. I don't remember which. Might have been this gym right over here, now that I think about it. Could, in fact, I think it was. Uh, <clears throat> I remember sitting up there. In the stands, and I'm reading. I think it was Stephen Helminiak, Roman Catholic priest, supporter of homosexuality. Um, and and you know I'm ha- I'm having to hide these books, but I remember sitting there thinking, man, there's just a flood of these com- com- things coming out. It was a trickle back then in comparison to what it is now. I mean the the glut of books promoting that kind of thinking. I understand most people don't want to read that stuff. Okay. I, I've said many times, I read the heresy so you don't have to. But you still have to understand the arguments. And so much of what I see on social media is not up to recognizing what the actual arguments are. It could be it could be phrased more pointedly and accurately if we just understood it's just not a matter of quoting a Bible verse. They've read the same Bible verses, and they have arguments. I just gave you arguments right here. Well, that's not relevant to us because of this. And you have to, you have, to have thought through. The problem is when you think that through, 
is when you have to really start considering the how we understand the moral content of God's law. I don't remember what year it was that I started preaching the Holiness Code series. I've linked to it. I'll try to remember to link to it again because it, it's only becoming more relevant, not less relevant with the passage of time. But <clears throat> it was at that time that because of what Jeff and I did and the continuing challenges of what what is what is what is the moral foundation that a christian has to resist the sexualization of children the destruction of gender the destruction of marriage destruction of male female relationships what's the foundation or does does christianity have nothing to say that's when i started tackling the holiness code passages and preaching through them and anybody who listens to that series today would know that if you were to identify the position that I was taking and the method of interpretation that I was using in looking at each text and seeking to find its abiding moral significance for today, in context, in the original language, which we spent time talking about the um, the religion of the Canaanites and the Assyrians and Babylonians and Egyptians, and we did all that stuff as part of the background. Um, it was it was an in depth series. I think it was thirty five or thirty eight sermons, as I recall. Um, we did all that stuff. Anybody listening to that today would go. That's general equity theonomy. I never used the term. But that's general equity theonomy. Specifically, looking for the continuing, abiding moral principles in God's law without getting bogged down in all of the arguments over penology, which we need to talk about a little bit here later on. Um they would have recognized that, and I was forced into that position. And the problem is, when my fellow believers start dealing with this stuff, you have to think this through. You you have to get past the evangelical way of dealing with the law of Moses is extremely shallow. It's extremely shallow. And even the Reformed way, yeah, we, we, we look at, we, we understand there are different roles of the law and different functions of the law. All that's fine and wonderful. But it, the, the reformers were not dealing with the world we're dealing with. <laughs> okay? They were, not, they were not up against state entities that were literally saying, we will take your children from you and mutilate them for the rest of their lives. Because that's a good thing to do. And that's where we are today. That's what the state of Washington has done. And there's, there's no other way to put it. We will take your children. We will mutilate them. Because we say this is right. Well, you've got to have a basis for saying that is wrong. And this is why we'll res- we will resist that that is wrong. And you don't get that by dismissing the um, continuity of God's law or by ignoring the fact that in the New Covenant, it's that same law that's written on the heart. It's not some some woo-woo law that you can't define anywhere. It's that same law that's written upon the heart, which would mean the continuing abiding principles of truth and what justice is and what goodness is and what evil is that is found given to us in Scripture. So this is what we're up against. Now, compare what I, re- what I read, and you're all going, we don't remember what you read because you've said so much since then. With the article, now, what I wrote, read from is from a 
openly avowed progressivist. And the only reason I'm not giving sources is because possibility exists that a debate might take place. So I don't want to sink that. It just was... Compare what was said there with Dr. Moore's article in Christianity Today, who is the uh, editor-in-chief now of Christianity Today. And you will discover a very troubling parallel. Now, Dr. Moore wants to talk about, I believe in inerrancy, I believe every word of God is inspired. But when it comes to what he did is he wrote an article, if you haven't seen it, it's all over Twitter. But I've seen very, very little actual interaction with the article itself. Um, He wrote an article condemning the Ugandan law. Now, I have seen next to nothing as to the particulars of the Ugandan law, which means you can't trust any of the mainstream media to get any of this right. They have, they have absolutely no... You know, when I, was in, when I was in school, we were taught certain standards of what journalism was supposed to be. Um, they obviously don't teach that anymore. And in fact, they obviously don't believe that anymore. The idea of uh, fairness, accuracy, lack of bias, that, that's, that's all gone. We all know that. <clears throat> so, <coughs> the term, by the way, that Rich and I had talked about on the last program, aggravated, <coughs> sorry, aggravated homosexuality. Wet the whistle here real quick. Um, aggravated homosexuality never got defined by Dr. Moore. And uh, here's a, a description of the law. The new law would call, because what you're hearing is the new law calls for the death penalty for homosexuality, period. If, you're hom- if you find out to be a homosexual, they take you out and shoot you the next day. That's not the case. The new law would call for the death penalty in cases of aggravated homosexuality and for a life sentence for engaging in gay sex. The state defines aggravated homosexuality as homosexual acts carried out by those infected with HIV or homosexual acts that involve children, disabled people, or those drugged against their will. Had you heard that? I hadn't heard that. That's what the death penalty is for. Is for if you have AIDS, you know you have AIDS, and you still engage in homosexual acts, which is the best way of distributing AIDS, death penalty. It's a capital crime. So, you are willing to put someone else to death by doing that to them. And so, that's capital crime. We've had all sorts of laws like that. Back when we still cared about capital crimes. We, we don't anymore. You can do anything. Anymore. Well, except uh, walk between the velvet... Uh, barriers in the Capitol on January 6th, and then that's capital crime, though. Take you out for that one. Um, or homosexual acts that involve children. Oh! Or disabled people. Oh! Or those drugged against their will. Oh, those, those can't be capital crimes. Right? Well, yeah. That's what they're saying. That's, that is aggravated homosexuality. Well, those are horrific crimes. You drug someone and then rape them. You rape a child. Um, I think rape of children should be a capital crime anywhere. That's a just society. That's what a just society does. We don't, we don't have a just society here. 
We don't honor life here. And that's what's so amazing about how far off Pope Francis is. Because he says there's, there's no place for capital punishment. If you don't believe in capital punishment, don't call yourself pro-life. Because you don't honor life. The Bible honored life by saying that if you, if you take a person's life, then your life will be taken. That honors life. That's how you protect life. But, now, um, raping a child should be the death penalty anywhere. Raping a woman should be death penalty anywhere. And I don't mean death penalty 35 years later down the road. Disabled people? That's not a capital crime? Well, see, here's the real problem. First of all, Uganda still has capital offense. We don't. Let's just be honest. In the vast majority of, of the United States, there is no capital offense any longer. And having the proper foundation for capital punishment is vitally important. Because places like North Korea, CCP, um, Muslim countries will engage in capital punishment for stuff that is not a capital crime from God's law. The state becomes God under communism, and then, therefore, the state engages in capital punishment for any questioning of the state's authority. That's why there has to be the control that comes from an objective standard, which we happen to have um, in God's law. But this aggravated homosexuality, all of these things are clearly appropriate capital offenses. And so the real horror from the West is, remember, this. I am sitting in the country that is exporting this activity with my tax dollars. And I know that. I've said over and over again, how do you ask God to bless when this nation is intent upon exporting evil to the rest of the world with the riches that God has abundantly given to us, which he can very well take away very quickly, and I think is going to, for that very reason. When, when in the not-too-distant future, you are struggling, we are all struggling, to get enough calories in the day, we're living in a cardboard box, infrastructure's gone, hear me, There was a reason why it happened. There is a reason why this judgment has come. And it is because, as a nation, we are promoting immorality and evil all around the world. And God will judge it. We're using the very riches and blessings that God gave to us to rebel against his law. That will bring judgment. That is not a popular thing to say. I get that. I understand it is not popular to tell people these things. Doesn't matter. Has to be said. Has to be said. Has to be warned. We have to be faithful to that. So, it's fascinating to me that basically what Dr. Moore does in this article, um, he says... um, Misinterpreting, he, he talks about context. And very, very, very plainly, he does not have an overly robust doctrine of God's law and an application today. He talks about the appli- internal church discipline. That's true. But what he doesn't address is what happens if the state, and this is what they always dodge, Because evangelicals have been dodging this for a long time. What happens if the state wants to do what is right before God? We're not talking about 
How does the church handle this? No, the church the church cannot execute anybody. No, nobody's nobody's arguing about that. But if the if the magistrate comes to the church, if if your church okay, um, Jeff just got back last night. Jeff Durbin got back last night from I believe he was Alabama. And he was, um, you know, they're they're working on legislation, abolish human abortion, equal protection, and he's doing what he does. Um, God's given him the calling and the ability to calmly and yet passionately sit in front of legislators from both sides and clearly present the case demonstrate when the leftists start trying to trip him up that they have no idea what they're talking about, tie him up in pretzels and make him look like what they should look like, the ethical pygmies that they are. And if, let's say, that the, uh, the governor of the state of Arizona, which we currently don't really have one, we've got a puppet that stole it, but other than that, uh, let's say in the not-too-distant future when something like this might happen, the governor of the state of Arizona comes to Jeff Durbin, says, you have for years been uh, promoting the end of a human abortion. We have come to see it. This is what we, we want God's blessing in our in our state now. How do we get it? How do we get it? What's our standard? How do we deal with capital issues? How do we deal with uh, marriage? How do we deal um, with gender? How do we deal with uh, abortion? What's our standard? How do we do this consistently? Is the church supposed to sit there and go, um, uh, uh, well, um, uh, no. You're supposed to have an answer. When when Paul spoke to Felix and Festus and everybody else that he ended up having to talk to and people we don't even know who he had to end up talking to, he went to the scriptures. He always presented the Lordship of Christ, but we seem to think that that's, you just go, well, what would Jesus do? Well, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would he point people to? Would he not point people to the very law that his death fulfilled the penalty of? Who did, we we don't even have a truly trinitarian understanding of this. You don't <clears throat> A couple years ago at G3, when I preached from the Greek Septuagint on Isaiah 6, what was one of my primary points? The one who was seen there by Isaiah was Jesus. He was the Holy One, and he's the Holy One declaring judgment upon Israel. He was, it was his law. We sort of separate him out. Well, it's just the you know, it's just the father. Well, it's not that it's not the fathers or not the spirits, but it's we believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, and yet we sort of well, he's over here someplace, and we're not going to even go. No. What what answer are we going to give? And are we really going to say a nation cannot choose? to seek to honor God in the protection of the marriage bed, male and female roles, and children, both in the womb and out of the womb. A state does not have the right to do that. Yes, it does. And that's the state that will be blessed. And if this nation wants God's blessing, And when God's judgment starts falling, people are going to be asking, why? What do we do? 
How do we repent? Well, where are we going to point them? Where's Dr. Moore going to point them? I don't know. Well, you know, if, if y'all were in the church, then we could do this. But, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. It's just, um, who knows? Got to have an answer. Got to have an answer. So it was really weird because <clears throat> he he talked a lot about, you know, um, yeah, here we go. Um, not everything that's a sin is a crime. Well, that's given... To equate all sin with crime without the authority to do so is itself a sin against God to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. If the historic Christian vision of marriage and family is true and good and beautiful, as I believe it is, then we demonstrate that truth, goodness, and beauty to our unbelieving neighbors through our witness, not by threatening to kill them. See, he makes no distinction. He doesn't seem to even understand sphere sovereignty. What does the state do to honor these things? Can the state protect the family as true and good and beautiful? Or does the state have to allow the profaning of marriage? Is that what he's saying? Is Dr. Moore saying that up until Obergefell, the state was wrong to forbid same-sex marriage? It sounds like what he's saying. I can't believe that, but it sounds like what he's saying. If it was right in 2014... Why is it wrong now to forbid same-sex marriage? And then saying, unleashing the violence of state-ordained execution, imprisonment, and surveillance on gay and lesbian Ugandans is a condemnable act of authoritarianism and a violation of the self-evident and unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Really? Really? Do you think the founders would have agreed with you? Because they made all those things illegal too. Right? The people who wrote Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness did not agree with your use of Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. But that aside, why didn't they? Because they had a Christian worldview they were working with. And I don't see that Russell Moore is still operating from a Christian worldview. He's drunk deeply at the secular state well. Who gets to define life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness? How do you define these things? The state gets to do that? This isn't unleashing the violence of state-ordained execution. But let's just stop for what it actually calls for. Are you saying it is wrong for a state to execute someone who rapes a child? That's what it's about. Didn't you read it? I don't even know what to say. To do such a thing is a matter of power, not of conviction. It demonstrates not a commitment to the Bible's authority, but a rejection of it. I hope people will read the whole thing, and I hope you read through it and then realize, man, there is so much happening right now that requires us to have a solid foundation upon which to reason consistently. I don't know how much longer we're going to have the freedom to say these things out loud. I keep telling people, archive the programs, download them, keep them, put them on a hard drive inside a inside a EMP-proof Plastic bag. I don't know how long we're going to have it. But someday, you may be the one. You. That people are asking the questions to. Because everything's falling apart. <clears throat> you may be one of the survivors. I mean, a lot of the rest of us might not survive the coming onslaught. You may be one of the survivors. Will you be able to give a foundational, meaningful defense of what you believe, and say, this is why it all came down, this is why it collapsed, this is why judgment came, and this is how we avoid it in the future. This is how we honor God in the future. This is how we set things up 
to regularly seek to honor God. This is how we set it up so it doesn't just become something that we allegedly pass on genetically, but we call every generation to a a re-recognition of the vitality and the centralness of God's truth in the world he created. He's the one that wrote the owner's manual. And we've got to live by the owner's manual. That's all there is to it. So, there you go. Now, as I said, uh, next week, here's my suggestion for you. Um, If you've got one of those programs that can record stuff, uh, as it's streaming and stuff, fire it up. Because the inevitable disasters that will come from my trying to run all this on my own will be worth recording. And and you might want to send some of them in. They may play some of them for our 40th thing just to mock me. Uh, this is what happened when James tried to do it all himself. And, you know, I'll be sitting here and you'll hear me talking and there will be a test pattern on the screen um, or just all sorts of really bad stuff is I'm predicting it now is going to be happening next week because for some reason I, I consider my trips to contain an element of vacation. And most people would not, (laughs) most people would not consider that a vacation, but I enjoy it. But rich for some reason is getting a vacation. Okay. I think it's because, you know, he's married and, uh, you know, my wife, she just goes, she's going on vacation next week. And whether I'm not going to even be around, she didn't care. It's just like, see you later. That's what working for the airlines does for you. Um, she's got friends she goes, sees. It's all good. Um, but Rich is actually going to leave. And I don't even know where, but he's going to do the vacationing thing. And so he, I was getting close to doing most of it on the road. And from what he's saying, the way this thing is going to be set up over here is a way that I can do it on the road, too. If, like, we got into a spot, because we could get into a spot where we have no connectivity to the outside world. Where the, 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 the park Wi-Fi is from 1998... Uh, and is like a 2400 baud modem. Some of you don't know what a 2400 baud modem is, but I oh I know I I had a 300 baud modem once. That was fun. Um, or where there's there's trees everywhere, so I can't get to Starlink, and there's no cell service. It it still happens. There are places in the world where that takes place, and um, allegedly we're gonna have it set up to where. I could still do the program. I'm not sure what good it would be until I could then find a place that would have connectivity to upload it, but we could still record something on, I guess, that. Yes, this thing here? You said that's a one one terabyte. Man, look at that. Now my 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 Mac at home has an eight terabyte SSD drive, and when I think about that size, I just because I my first computer didn't have a hard drive, so this is like that's a lot of space. But anyway, will I be recording to that or will I be live streaming? So you're going to be recording to that and then, and then uploading. uploading. Okay, yeah. All right. So, so I won't be that's the same live, live, technically, I guess. But I'll pretend that I am. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll do our best. And, you know, if everything just blows up and smoke starts coming out of this and things like that, then we'll just... Uh, <clears throat> we've actually taken time off in the past. Um, I guess when I used to travel overseas, uh, you know, well, actually, you'd bring people in. Do stuff like that, yeah. Well, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll we'll do the best we can next week um, and see how it see how it all goes. I'm sitting here watching. I guess there's been some type of a homeschool thing. There's a homeschool thing right near our office here, 
And uh, I guess a big testing day or something like that. And it's so great to see so many families that have recognized that sending your children off for 15 to 21,000 hours to be trained by Caesar will result in you having a bunch of little Romans. And um, now they've seen that Caesar hates your children and you too. And uh, so it's wonderful to see it. But I always sit back and go, they can't do that in Germany. And you just know, you just know they're going to come after us here too. You just know it's going to happen. Anyways, thanks for watching the program today. Like I said, next week could be interesting. (laughs) We'll see you then. God bless.